Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. All right. Living my best life. Thank you. It's a little bit more high-pitched. Living my best life. Yeah. Okay. That's enough of that. All right. This is part three today. And uh, 2019, it's always great to start off the year, to refocus. Uh, I never down anybody that, that fails New Year's resolutions year after year and then, does, you know, then tries again. Don't quit. Keep trying because eventually you never know it might actually stick. Uh, but nonetheless, when you start a new year, it's definitely important to get yourself uh, refocused and positioned going in a direction uh, that is going to complement uh, how we say uh, what God has created you to be. And uh, there's plenty of things in life that want to distract you and that want to hold you back, hold you down, that want to, you know, divert you to the left or to the right. Uh, but we believe wholeheartedly that there is a life that God created you to live that is unique. There is no one else on the planet before or after that will ever be you. And uh, somebody said one time, stop trying to be everybody else because they're already taken. Just be you. And uh, so God created you with purpose, and that purpose is what is connected to your best life. And so uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot about the, the people that are around you and relationships and the people that you're doing life with. And that's important uh, because it does uh, have a lot to do to impact where you go with your life. One of the things we say with this series is that your community determines your trajectory. And I think that is so true. It's not, it doesn't mean that you only ever talk to and hang out and are friends with the people that are, that are gonna be positive influences. We're, we're surrounded with people, whether they're coworkers or family members or, or friends that we've grown up with that may not necessarily be going in the direction that we are walking, but that doesn't mean that we disown. It doesn't mean that we disconnect. It means that we're loving on those people, but at the same time, we're surrounding ourselves with those that are going to encourage the journey that's ahead of us, amen? And so today is part three, and so I want you to kind of help me introduce the message title for today. I always love it when y'all interact a little bit and help me out. Uh, so I want you to look at somebody next to you. You get to pick, no pressure. That's not gonna disappoint the other person, maybe a little bit. And I want you to look at them and say this. Say, who is carrying you? I feel like, like, I feel like half of y'all did that. Probably half of y'all are not being carried at all. All right, look at the next person. Your second choice, no, I'm just kidding, that's not true. And just ask them the question, who is carrying you? All right. Some of y'all in good seats and you got to ask the same person twice and I appreciate their participation. It's a very, very important question. Who is carrying you? Because y'all know this is some point in time, whether it's a day, a moment, or a whole season, there are times in life where things aren't going great and you sometimes you just feel like you need to be carried. You need somebody that's gonna help you through a moment, help you through a season. And I've got a little bit of a video, I'm gonna step out of the way here, that kinda helps uh, paint the picture of what we're talking about today. So let's go ahead and see if we can roll this. Uh, it's soccer, first of all, so that's always good. And we seem to have a situation. Uh, there's, because all soccer injuries are real, if you've ever watched soccer. And so let's get the stretcher out there. These guys are highly trained professionals. This is going well. These guys have, clearly they're doctors, they're EMTs, they're medical professionals. I don't know what's happening here. He's not happy with the treatment of his friend. 
με τους ανθρώπους του Ερβοτέλη. This guy is, he's, getting, he's getting himself on the car. That's how. Oh, okay. These are trained professionals. Man. Look at that guy smiling. The guy in the green shirt was smiling. That's not good. Oh, man. Like, oh, he just drops him. <laughs> He's had a bad day. Anyway, so that's, they're not happy about that. That's, man, I, I don't know what country that was in. But anyway, that's not the point. Uh, clearly who this, this poor uh, individual who was injured in this moment was not surrounded by the type of people that you want to carry you through those particular moments. And it's a joke and it's kind of funny, but at the same time, can you see the irony of, I've seen it in my own life where I've been in certain seasons where I felt like that crew of guys were the ones that were trying to carry me. And uh, people that were almost more interested in getting me out of the way than they were in helping me get to a place of wholeness and healing. Anybody else ever experienced that? And I'm just, I'm just sharing my own stories here. So I think it's so important to realize that for the most part, we do get to choose the people that are gonna be the closest to us that we want to rely on, okay? And I know there's moments in our lives where maybe there's people there that aren't there by choice. Uh, you don't always get to choose your family. And uh, for some that's better than others, I don't know. Uh, but, the, but the people that you want to, to be a part of your life in these most intimate moments, those are the ones where you need to be very strategic about who you choose and where you position yourself. I'm gonna read a, a passage to you that kind of sets the context. Man, this is, and this is such a, a cool story from Luke chapter five. Luke is one of the, uh, one of the four gospels in, uh, in the beginning of the New Testament. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Luke chapter five. If you don't, that's okay. Uh, and always encouraging people, download the, the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. It's free and you'll always have it at your fingertips. It's such an awesome tool. And uh, plus we'll also have uh, the verses up on the screen behind me. Uh, but in Luke chapter five, starting in verse 17, This is just an incredible story that I really feel kind of captures the moment for where we are today as a church. Starting at verse 17, it says, One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. If you didn't know what Pharisees were uh, in the Jewish custom, they were just a, a, a very strong, popular contingent of religious church leaders in that time. I use the word church. They didn't use the word church. They were in the temple and the synagogue. But kind of for our context, it paints a picture that these were religious leaders. It says, it seems that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. I love that that's almost like a passing comment here in this particular story. Verse 18, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof, took off some tiles, and then lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Their faith, Jesus said to the man, or sorry, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And uh, that statement happens a lot throughout the gospels. I always kind of feel like whenever they said that, Jesus kind of winked, smiled at him. Anyway, Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? And just think about that. If you were to pose that question to you, 
How would, we, how would we think that ourselves? He goes, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. It says, and immediately, can you say immediately? Immediately, immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone, everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Father, we just ask that in this moment, in these moments that we have together, that you would uh, just help us to hear what you're trying to say, God. Uh, we're not doing religion. We're not doing church, God. We're here because you desire not a religion with people. You desire a relationship with people. So, God, we ask that you would open up our hearts to receive, open up our ears to hear what you would say today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say amen. amen. And it's a cool story. I mean, it's in all reality, as you read it, you kind of see the biggest impact of the story is the guy that got healed, right? We all, the, the attention's always on uh, the person who got healed, and, and maybe rightly so, because it's, it's really cool. It's cool that somebody who could not walk, it was completely paralyzed, and with the, the word and the command of Jesus, now they're able to get up and walk and go home and praise God and, and be excited about a life that just moments ago they didn't have. But I think in this particular story, one of the things I want to point out are um, a few men. A few men. And, and I, even as I read that, I venture to think that it probably just wasn't a few men. These weren't just some innocent bystanders that were bored and, and saw a guy that was laying on a mat and decided to pick him up and take him to Jesus. Uh, even, if they, even if they were strangers and were really good people, Maybe if they were that you know, good of a person, maybe they would have at least taken him to the house where Jesus was. But we see some things begin to transpire and the interaction that these guys are having and what they're willing to do to help this paralyzed man that paints a picture that these guys probably weren't just strangers or, or good people trying to help somebody. I have a feeling that these were really good friends of their friend who was paralyzed. I have a feeling that, that they're also the same friends that it was very customary for people that were crippled and paralyzed to be, to be taken to places that were prominent uh, trafficked areas so that they could beg and ask for money because that was the only way that they could earn a living. And so there's a good chance they were the same friends that were taking this guy and every single day dropping him off so that he could beg for money and then in the evening they'd come back, pick him up, take him back home. There's a good chance these were good friends for this guy to have. He had surrounded himself with really good people. And so we see something happening in verse 18 and in verse 18 through 20 that I, I, I want to kind of dig into and kind of read between the lines. If, if, you, if you hear me preach enough, you'll know that I, I like to not just read the text and then just kind of take the text at its face value because how many of you know when you tell a story, there's a lot of details in between the lines, right? And so the same thing in this situation, there's a lot of details in between the lines. We see we got these, these friends, and maybe it, I have a feeling it's four of them. We, it, doesn't, you know, it doesn't really go into a whole lot of detail, but I think there was four of these guys, and, and you got this one guy who's completely paralyzed. And, and so Jesus is in town, and everywhere Jesus goes, you need to know this because this is true even today, anywhere Jesus goes, it, it attracts people. Anywhere Jesus is really there, it attracts people. Now for us today, where Jesus is, where his spirit is, where the presence of God is, it's still attracting people. And the same people that were attracted then are the ones that are attracted now. And there were usually three types of people 
that were attracted when Jesus showed up. There was either those that were Jesus followers, those that had encountered him and given their life to him, and now they're following him wherever he goes and doing whatever he would call them to do. That's one group. And then there's a second group of people that are those that are, they're hoping that Jesus is the real deal. They're broken, they're hurting, they're, they're, they don't necessarily have a relationship with Jesus, but they wanna go find him because they don't have, they don't feel like they have any other, any other options. And the third group of people that always shows up when Jesus shows up are the religious folks that wanna come and make problems. They wanna come and say, hey, yeah, uh, Jesus, that's great and everything, but you gotta follow these rules to really be considered a righteous person. Or, okay, Jesus, we hear what you're saying, but you know, I, I, don't think, I don't think you're doing it the right way. You don't talk the right way. You're not dressed appropriately to do the religious things. And here's the deal. It's, they were in a house, and the thing was so crowded, mostly with the religious people, that there was no room for people that needed Jesus to get to Jesus. Here's my point on that. Religion doesn't help people connect to God. Religion actually is what keeps people away from God. Religion wants to keep you at a distance and wants to allow the, the elitism of those who, who say they can connect to God to be the ones who are able to be in God's presence while keeping everyone else at bay. And Jesus came to completely destroy that mentality. In the Old Testament, it, where, where they had the, the temple, where the Ark of the Covenant was, there was a huge veiled curtain that only the high priest once a year was allowed to go in and minister in the presence of God and pray for on behalf of the whole nation. But the Bible tells us that when Jesus went to the cross, the moment that he breathed his last breath, that curtain from top to bottom, that if you were to study, the curtain was actually about a foot thick, made of many fabrics and curtains sewed together, ripped down the middle from the top to the bottom, removing that barrier between God and you and me. And so no longer do we have to rely on the religious elite to go and do our bidding for us. You and I get to go directly to the Father with boldness, with faith, whenever we desire. And he can't wait. God is just there. He's like, come on, come straight to me. I want to talk to you. I want to hear what you got to say. I want to love on you. I've got a plan for your life. I want that to unfold. But in this moment, it was almost ruined because religion was keeping people away from Jesus. Now let's talk about these, these friends, these, these, uh, these other men. Now, it would have been very easy, you know, maybe we can kind of like, you know, retell the story. You know, the, the guy on the, on the mat, he's like, guys, man, I really appreciate this. You know, I heard Jesus was in town and, you know, just maybe, you know, I heard that he's been doing some miracles. Maybe he might be able to heal me. Yeah, man, no problem, man, we got you, we got you. Not like those guys who were carrying that poor soccer player. No, we got you. And they're carrying him and they, they start to approach the house. And before they can even get to the house, they begin to see, man, there's, there's a lot of people around here. Like, I don't know how, you know, Johnny, I'm calling him Johnny. Johnny. It's a, it's a good biblical Jewish name. Johnny, I just feel like, um, man, it's not looking good, but let's see what we can do. And so they get up closer to the house. And, and if you're that friend, because if you're someone who has been through seasons where you've constantly had to rely on people, you know that there's a little bit of a self-conscious guilt, right? Because like, man, I'm just, I feel guilty. Like everyone's always having to do stuff for me. And I, I, just, I just feel like, you know, just one more thing. I figure it's just too much. I'm asking too much. And so maybe he even told his friends, he's like, guys, you know, it's cool. It's okay. It's it's not going to happen today. You know what, just, just put me down here and probably eventually Jesus is going to come out and maybe when he does, he'll see me. And I feel like one of the guys was standing there just thinking to himself saying, not today, not today, what can we do? What if we just threw him over the people? And then the other friend's like, dude, that's a horrible idea. I've got a better idea. Because most houses during that time, they were built with a roof entrance on the side. So steps would go up to the roof. And uh, so he's like, I've got a better idea, guys. 
we're going through the roof. It's like we're going, we're going through the roof. And then I'm, the paralyzed guy is starting to, starting to kind of speak up at this point like, all right, wait, 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 guys. All right, now, you know, I appreciate what you've done, but now you're getting a little bit crazy. The other three are like, no, this is a great idea. We're going to drop you through the roof. You're going to drop me from the ceiling to the ground. I'm already paralyzed. What are you trying to do to me, you know? And so you see this, you know, I kind of pretend that this dialogue is taking place. And so finally, they're like, you know, we're doing that. And they're like, you're paralyzed, so you can't really stop us. Okay, so we're going up. They get up to the roof. And, and in the text, it just says, you know, they removed, they removed a few tiles and just lowered them to the ground. Here's the deal. Um, the way that they made roofs in that particular time period, there was, they would take a lot of, you know, thick sticks, uh, you know, like, you know, maybe like a couple inches thick, and they would kind of create the, the foundation of the roof. And then they would take a lot of smaller sticks, and they would fill in the gaps. Then they would take mud and clay and put it even more. And so th this is, you can kind of paint the picture. And then on top of that, they would lay layers of sod to kind of create a solid surface. And then on top of that, if they had some decent financial means, there would be another substance that they would be able to purchase and kind of lay over top of it to do their best to waterproof it. So they're not just removing a couple of tiles. When I, when I hear that, I think of like, you know, those... Uh, those little, you know, square tiles that you see in an office or something like that. Like just, we just gently lift and scoot over to the side. No, no, no. They had to like pound and dig through. And, and so if you're, if you're Jesus and you're chilling in this house, surrounded by, you know, some, some people, but mostly religious people, which, you know, it's funny. Jesus didn't send the religious people away. You ever think about that? He could have, if I was there, that would have been my counsel. Like, Jesus, it's, it's those guys again. It'd be best if you would just send them away. But he didn't because he, he wanted their hearts just as much as he wanted anybody else. And so whenever we look at people that do create those obstacles for people getting to God, they're not the enemy. They're actually doing what they think is right. They're doing what they've been taught. And so Jesus in that culture, he was always trying to combat that, not with anger, not with hatred, but he was trying to get to their heart to help them realize that, hey, listen, you actually do know a lot about God, but I want to teach you something else that opens up your heart so that I can have a personal relationship and so that you stop being a barrier for other people trying to get to me. So Jesus is chilling in this house. He's teaching, he's talking, he's saying stuff. He's got his disciples there. He's got some other people in there that are seeking him out and then the religious folks. And then you just got to put yourself in that room as these guys are literally pounding through this clay, dirt, mud, sod-filled sticks roof. So... What, I mean, you tell me, what's happening as they begin to do that? It's crumbling down. It's crumbling down. It's okay. My phone's probably going to go off too. But it's crumbling down, and it's messy. So I don't know if they're, you know, getting out of the way. I would, if I'm Jesus, I'm, I'm standing up. I'm getting out of the way. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Okay, he's Jesus. He probably knew what was going on there. But nonetheless, he's probably not, oh, you know, this is great. All this dirt's coming down on me. So Jesus is getting out of the way. Everyone's got a commotion. There's something going on. And all of a sudden, a big hole rips out from the roof. And these guys start, and it says they lowered him on his mat. So I'm thinking they figured out, okay, we got some, we got some twine. We got some string, whatever. I got this side. You got, all right, ready? Lower, lower, no, stop, stop, nope. And so this guy, you know, I, this is how I see it. Is it okay if I story tell a little bit this morning? All right. So it says they drop him right in front of Jesus. They didn't know where Jesus was. They couldn't get in the house. So that's a pretty good shot for one. How amazing is it to have people in your life that would do whatever it took to get you to Jesus? How amazing would it be to have people that when you're in your most difficult, trying moments where you feel like maybe the biggest failure, 
or, you, or you're just, you're, you're in, maybe it's a, a physical sickness and you're not able to do what you desire to be able to do and there's people coming to take care of you. How amazing would it be to know that you are surrounded with people who will literally do whatever it takes to get you to Jesus? Now here, let me throw something out there too for, for us, for us Convo Church people and, and especially for those like, this is your home church. If you're a guest, you're just checking it out. You're wondering what's going on. But hey, I want you to know for our Convo Church family, listen, you don't have to have all the answers for everybody. When you're out and you're sharing your faith, which you should be doing in some way, shape, or form, you need to know you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to have everything figured out. All you need to do is say, listen, I don't have the answers, my friend, but if I can just get you to where I know Jesus is, I know that it will take care of what I can't answer for myself. And they're like, well, you know what? I don't think church is really, you know, it's not just about church. No, you're right. It's not just about church. But I can tell you this, this is an environment where Jesus comes. This is an environment where the Bible tells us where two or three people are gathered in God's name, he is there in the midst of them. Not hovering, kind of observing. It says he's there, he's showing up. He's like, all right, I'm here, I got my kids here, what's going on? What do y'all need? What can we do? How can I love on you today? And so if you can just, with nothing else, you have no other answers, and if you've got somebody at work or a friend of yours who's like, man, my marriage is falling apart, my kids hate me, I've been sick and I don't know what to do with this thing, doctors can't help me, what do I do? And, and don't you have some faith or something like that? You're like, yeah, I, know, I don't know what to tell you, but this is what I can tell you. Come to church with me because I know that in that environment, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Church should never be a place where we're fulfilling our religious obligation and, and checking a box that we're just, okay, well, I went to church. That's, I'm doing my good, my good person duty. And, and that does nothing for anybody. But when you come to this place with a sense of expectation that God wants to do something special week in and week out, when there is faith built into your heart and built into your mind that when I go to this place today, even if I'm not feeling it, I know God is faithful and I know he's going to do something in me if I will make myself available. If we can get people to that environment that are hurting and broken and lost and don't have answers, you don't have to have the answers. You can just bring them to the environment where they can fully encounter the one who does. Anything is possible when you gather with faith in the name of Jesus. Anything. Brokenness always needs something or someone to carry it. Who or what carries you will greatly determine what happens with your brokenness. This week, um, just on Facebook, I was sharing some thoughts and some conversation points about, about brokenness and just the reality that there's, there's not a human being on the planet that is, uh, that is devoid of brokenness in some way, shape, or form. The beauty of, of what God's word teaches us and what Jesus wants us to understand is that brokenness is not a place that you have to stay. It's, it's not just, well, you know, yeah, well, yeah, we're all broken, we're all imperfect, and that's just how it's gonna be. No, because the word of God paints a picture that we can actually be whole. Doesn't mean that everything becomes perfect. Perfection is not the opposite of brokenness. Wholeness is the opposite of brokenness. And so in, only in God can you have a wholeness of body and soul and spirit. And here's the thing. We do live in a broken and a sinful world where there's sickness, where there's disease, where even for those that, that passionately pursue miracles, we see some people healed and we see some people that are not. And we're like, I don't get it, God. If you, if you just want the wholeness thing, how come you don't just snap your fingers and heal everybody instantly and remove all sickness and remove all disease and remove all those things? And it's because we live in a sin-filled, broken world. But here's the cool thing. Even if we don't get in this life what we're believing for, we know that this life is not the end. There is a life to come 
that through relationship with Jesus Christ opens us up to an eternity in heaven and the presence of God with zero limitation between us and between everything that God has for us, knowing full well that in heaven there is no sickness, there is no disease, there is no sin, there is no brokenness. We get to exist in the perfection of how God created us to be. But here's what I don't wanna see happen. What I don't want to see happen is that we embrace this, this perfect heaven uh, uh, scenario and then just tell ourselves, well, we just got to, you know, while we're here, we just got to get by. And like that's, as long as I can just get there, then, then everything will be fine. This is just what it is here. No, because he- Jesus coming from heaven to earth was a picture of heaven being brought down to earth. Jesus bringing healing and bringing miracles down to earth was a snapshot of what exists in heaven and that God desires for that to even be a reality now here on earth. So what do we do? We believe. We believe in what God's word says. We believe in who Jesus is. We surround ourselves with the right people that are going to inspire us and encourage us and build us up to, to be what we maybe we can't even believe in yet, but we got people telling us that they believe in who God has created us to be. I can't tell you how many times I have been encouraged through seasons of life where I didn't have the words to encourage myself, but I had people around me that said, Craig, no, you can do this. Craig, God is in you. Craig, you were, you were created for this. Come on. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. The very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive inside of you. You can do this. You've got what it takes, not in your own strength, but by the power of God. And I'm just, you know, looking at him like, okay, I'm starting to feel it now. Okay, I think I'm going to be. Okay. You need those people. You need those people in your life. So church doesn't mean that um, the minute you walk in the door, you found perfect people and, and uh, all those people that surround you here at church are never gonna let you down and, and uh, never gonna offend you and never gonna upset you. And, and uh, because that's gonna happen. Sorry, spoiler alert, you know, especially if you're a guest with us. I'm, I'm just looking for that perfect church. Oh, geez. Uh, you're not gonna find it, but you should wrestle for the place where you feel like God's called you to be. But once you find that place, give your life. Give your life to it because it's not about a church. It's about God using you in a community that he has placed you in so that you can thrive and the people around you that you are connected to will thrive as well. I'm gonna give you just a couple of quick thoughts because I only have like three and a half minutes left. Uh, so these are gonna be quick. But these are, these are our four things that will unlock the miracles that God wants to do in your life. Because a flip question of who's carrying you would also be who are you carrying? It's not just about what people are gonna do for you because your brokenness is not for life. Your brokenness is momentary. Your brokenness is, is a season. Your brokenness, if you, if you put your faith and your hope in the right place, your brokenness will be something that actually instead of becoming kind of your, your badge of scars, it becomes your story of redemption. It becomes a powerful story of what God did in you and proof that God will do it for somebody else. And so this is what I wanna encourage you this morning. There are, don't just be someone who's looking for the people that will carry you. Challenge yourself as you leave today to go Monday through Saturday and ask God, be like, God, this week, who can I carry this week? And some of you are like, hey, I'm not there. I just, I still need to be carried. That's okay, that's all right. But still, I'm gonna challenge you to put yourself in a place where you, you can't rely on your own strength. To put yourself in a place where you have to rely on the power of God to do something special in your life. Number one, here's, here's what you need to do. Number one, pursue Jesus. Wow, that's so simple. 
pursue Jesus. John 14, six says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's Jesus speaking. Jesus says, I'm the way, not, not over there. I'm the truth, not those other things. Truth isn't abstract, truth is Jesus. It's his ministry, it's his life, it's his words, it's his spirit, it's everything that he desires for you. And how do I get there? Well, Jesus, because he's the way. Pursue Jesus like there is no tomorrow. Pursue Jesus like there is nothing else that you could possibly do. Number two, find the right people to carry you. You need passionate Jesus followers to surround you. And if I was you, I would not stop until you were able to find the people. And don't compromise on this. Because the people that carry you, if you're in that season of needing to be carried, you don't get to pick and choose where they're carrying you. Sometimes if you've got the wrong people around you, they don't want to carry you. They want to keep you down. Because you living in your state of brokenness helps them feel better about the brokenness they're living in. But God doesn't want just you to be set free. He wants to use your freedom to let other people know that they don't have to stay in the condition. Now, I love the fact that when Jesus healed this man, he told him, get up, take your mat, and go home. Now, here's what a lot of us have done, and I think I've done this in my life too. I get up, God's touched my life, and he says, go home. And something inside of me says, okay, well, this is what I'm comfortable with, so I lay back down on my mat and I wait for people to pick me up and take me back home. We want to pick back up the brokenness that God has healed and removed because we've actually gotten comfortable in our brokenness. God doesn't want you to be comfortable in your brokenness. He wants to unsettle you in your brokenness. You're like, God, how come I'm, I'm dealing with this in my life? God, just make me feel better. God doesn't want you to feel better. He wants you to be whole. Now, if he makes you feel better in a state of brokenness, then you're just gonna be comfortable with your brokenness. God doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants you to know there's better for you, that God has, where you're at now is not perfection, no matter how great or how wrong things are going. God wants to do something special in your life, but he has to deal with the brokenness because he doesn't want you to exist that way. He wants you to find him and find wholeness. And through that, take up your mat. Maybe his other instruction was, and go burn it, by the way, so that you don't lay back on that stupid thing again. He said, go home, and he went home praising God. I don't know what happened to the guys on the roof. I'm sure they were watching, like, seeing what was going on. Number three, stay repentant and live forgiven. Stay repentant and live forgiven. It's so interesting that the very thing that Jesus said when, like, all the commotion happens, dude comes through the roof, and Jesus looks at him clearly, realizing this is a paralyzed man needs healing. Jesus looked at him and said, all right, hey, young man, good job. Your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but I might have raised a hand, but like, uh, Actually, the reason why I'm here today, Jesus, and try to, you know, plead your case. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't just want to heal your exterior. He wants to bring healing to your mind. He wants to bring healing to your heart. He wants you to be whole, saved, and healed, body, soul, and spirit. And he knew that it was more important for him to deal with the man's heart and to deal with the brokenness in his heart than it was to deal with the man's body. Of course, on the side, he was also playing with the religious people. They were, how dare you can't forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus was like, eventually you guys are gonna get it. I am God. You're still having a hard time with this. But just to prove that I am the son of man, just pr to prove that I am the son of God and I am God, I'll do this. Your sins are forgiven. And by the way, take up your mat and go home. You're healed. Your brokenness is no longer with you. Go enjoy life. And so you gotta like, at that moment, here's the religious people. <sighs> Tongue rolls out, eyes bulge out of their head like a cartoon. And mic drop moment for Jesus. And um, you gotta understand something though is that God, we spend so much time trying to get God to fix our exterior where God wants to start on the inside. 
God wants to start with your mind. He wants to start with your heart. He wants to do something special. And then lastly, I said stay repentant and live forgiven. Repentance just means if you were here the other week, repentance is not some weird religious word for the guys on the street corner with the, the Turner burn signs. Repentance is you're living one way, walking in one direction, and it's not working out. You're not living for God. You're, you're, living, you're struggling in your life, and you have an encounter with God. Repentance means I just turn the opposite direction 180 degrees, and I begin to follow Jesus. That's repentance. So stay repentant. That's a, it's something where you got to decide every day that I'm going to follow Jesus. That's not a salvation moment. Some people are like, I lost my salvation. No, you didn't lose your salvation, but you still have to choose every day. Like, I'm gonna wake up today and I'm gonna follow Jesus today. God, what does it mean for me to follow you today and live forgiven, realizing that what God has forgiven you of, you no longer need to ask God to forgive you for. Bible talks about how he wipes those things uh, off the, our record. They're gone. They're not, it's not like, you know, oops, I used a Sharpie on the whiteboard. I can't get rid of it. It's just going to be there. No, it's gone. It's erased. And it says he throws it as far as the east is from the west, never to remember again. So you need to forgive yourself for the things that God has already forgiven you of. And stop hanging on to those things. Stop making yourself feel guilty. Stop putting pressure on you that God has already removed. And then lastly, walk in freedom. Now, here's the cool thing. It says in, in John, 8, um, John 8, 36, so if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. Ephesians 1, 7 in the message uh, translation, it says, because of the sacrifice the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are free people, free, free of penalty and punishment, chalked up by all of our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly, absolutely free. Now check this out. Even if you don't have your mat that you've been comfortable with and your brokenness to be carried, to carry you, you still need to be carried through life. But here's the cool thing. When you are being carried by Jesus, you're being carried by his grace. So now it's not your brokenness that has its grips on you. It's not the people around you that you are relying on to do everything for you and to lead you in the right direction. When you are whole, when you are repentant, when you are forgiven, when you are set free, when you are following Jesus, you get to walk in freedom. No longer broken, no longer hanging on to all the things that used to hang on to you before, but you walk in freedom carried by the grace of God. See, that's the thing. The grace of God isn't meant to hold your, your crumpling sin together. The grace of God is what gets poured out on you when we repent from our sins and we give a brand, we're given a brand new life. And so we're still carried, but it's not by the matter of brokenness. Now we're carried by the loving, freeing grace of God. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.